Good morning, everybody, and happy Monday. It is the uh, 16th of May. We've got a little over, well, we are three weeks to the day from the last day of the 2022 regular legislative session. I am Jan Moeller, the executive director of the Louisiana Budget Project. This is the Did You Know podcast, um, and I am joined today by our Director of Public Affairs and Outreach, our man at the Capitol, Devante Lewis. And uh, it has been quite a week. Uh, we're recording this on Friday the 13th, and uh, Friday the 13th seems kind of an appropriate day because it was a frightful week at the Louisiana legislature, and we still have to do um, all the money bills. So before we start talking uh, with Devante and get his insights on the week that was, um, let's talk about what's happening. Uh, you know, the big news to start the week, of course, was the revenue estimating conference um, and the fact that our massive amount of extra one-time dollars grew by another $450 million dollars. Um, and so uh, all of a sudden, you know, the Senate is going to be doing the budget bills over the weekend and uh, they're going to be on the floor in the Senate this week. But uh, they've got now one point six billion dollars in excess money for the current year. They have a seven hundred million dollar surplus and they have almost one and a half billion dollars of uh, unspent federal pandemic relief dollars. So you add it up, uh, I think you get to about $3.7 billion in one-time revenue. Um, this is great news if you care about highways and ports and broadband internet and sewers and all of the things that we're gonna build. But one thing that they are not doing with this money, uh, unfortunately, is giving some of it back to the people who worked so hard during the pandemic. So uh, one of the things we're going to be watching at the budget project, of course, is if Louisiana decides to follow the lead of some of the other states. And by my count, there are about a dozen states that have used their surplus dollars to give some of it back to people. Uh, we're not talking about a permanent tax cut here. We are talking about kind of a one-time bonus a rebate, uh, a refund, however you want to term it. But we know that there are a lot of families in Louisiana that are still struggling. Uh, even if the economy is bounced back, a lot of families are struggling. And, and one way we could help them, of course, is to um, let them participate a little bit in the surplus. A uh, couple of other things that happened this week. Um, there was a bill to expand predatory payday lending that made its way out of the House by just a couple of votes to spare. Um, and that is a bill, Devante, uh, that you had worked on very hard. This is a bill by Senator Rick Ward that was touted as a reform measure, but we know that it was not a reform measure. Devante, tell us about uh, Senate Bill 381 and why this was such a bad idea. Yeah, Senate Bill 381 really was packaged as this better alternative uh, to what we know as our traditional payday loans, those small dollar loans between that you pay back between 30 and 60 days. Um, but what this bill did is it created a, a, a bigger package. It was what we call an installment loan, a loan from $500 up to $1,500, and it allowed you to re- uh, fi finance it for up to 12 months. 
Well, that sounds great, but here's the trick. Most of the industry likes this product because it's built like a title loan, except there's nothing that you're titling. Um, so it had a 36% interest fee. It had a $50 underwriting fee on loans over $400. And the major kicker was it had what we call a 13% monthly maintenance fee, which was a fee assessed on the original amount of the loan that you pay back every month. So regardless if you took out $1,000 and now you're in month 10, um, you're still going to pay 13% of 1000 rather than 13% of 200 or $300 your remaining balance. Um, and so this is really just a fee grab. Um, you saw one of the most unique coalitions against this. You had at consumer advocates like us and AARP um, and together Louisiana and Power Coalition. You also saw the payday industry itself with the former president of the Cash Advance Association and the Financial Association uh, and former uh, regulators at the Office of Financial Institution opposed to this. And you even saw some like more conservative groups like the Conference of Catholic Bishops and the Family Four. Um, and so this was a, a, a real court press, but they really pushed this bill very fast. The lobbyists were paid very highly. Um, and sadly, this bill passed with just two votes to spare uh, in the House of Representatives. But I think you're going to see a growing call to Governor Edwards that this is not in the best interest of our people and he needs to veto this bill. So uh, thanks for that summary. So, so to summarize, it's already very expensive to be poor in Louisiana, especially if you're poor and you need to borrow money. And there is a bill now sitting on the governor's desk that would make being poor even more expensive and, and of course, the governor now has a decision to make on Senate Bill 381. Um, one other thing I want to um, bring up is, is the ITEP bill. This was something that I'd been following, Senate Bill 151 by Senator Rogers Pope. Um, this was a bill to essentially codify in the state constitution the executive order having to do with uh, the industrial tax exemption program. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with this, uh, Louisiana has the most generous uh, tax incentive uh, tax giveaway program in the country for manufacturing corporations. It's been in our state constitution since the 1930s. And it basically says, if you fit the definition of manufacturing, uh, until recently, you got a 10 year blank check break on paying any property taxes on that factory that you built. And if you made any improvements to that factory, then uh, the, the improvements were tax-free as well. So a lot of these billion dollar uh, petrochemical plants along the Mississippi River, they weren't really producing any property tax revenue for the local governments. And what Governor Edwards did, uh, really, I think his maybe one of his signature reforms other than uh, expanding Medicaid was he uh, put some local control into this process. Instead of having these tax breaks go through a state uh, board of commerce and industry, which I'm incidentally a member of, full disclosure, um, he required that uh, local governments should have some control over their own property taxes, uh, which is how every other state in the country does it. Um, but uh, Unfortunately, um, you know, this is this was a reform that was done by executive order, which means that a next the next governor could come in and revoke that executive order 
and go back to this blank check system that we had in place for 80 years. And uh, so Senator Rogers Pope had a bill that would have uh, codified the governor's reforms in the state constitution to basically say that local governments have some control over local property taxes. And this came down to this in very interesting political battle between uh, local governments, you know, mayors, uh, police jury association, the Louisiana Municipal Association, sheriffs who are extremely powerful uh, in, in the body. Uh, it was all these local officials against the, the business lobby uh, and essentially uh, the Louisiana Association of Business and Industry and the kind of economic development folks who go out and try to recruit business. And, and it wasn't even a close fight. Um, this thing got 14 votes, yes, uh, 21 votes, no. It needed 27 votes to move over to the House. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, the, the legislature showed whose side they were on in that. Um, Devante, uh, I want to talk about, you know, a couple of other things um, before we go here and then, and then maybe do a preview of, of the week ahead. But probably the most dramatic moment of the week happened on Thursday night on this bill by uh, Representative Danny McCormick, uh, House Bill 813, that got national attention, uh, not really flattering attention for Louisiana. And this was the bill that would have uh, criminalized abortion by penalizing women who get an abortion and allowing them to be charged with murder. Um, until now, all the focus of, of folks who wanted to outlaw abortion in Louisiana uh, had been on, on punishing doctors and, and medical professionals who perform abortions. Uh, this one would have, uh, uh, again, punished uh, women who seek abortion care. And now abortion is obviously not an issue that we really work on here at the Louisiana Budget Project. Uh, but we do know that that you know, if, if Roe v. Wade uh, gets banned, uh, then it's going to become, I mean, if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, then abortion will be banned in Louisiana. Um, this bill kind of split folks on the right, uh, you know, who are all pro-life, but really differed on that. And then as the bill was about to come up on the floor, something interesting happened in the legislature. Devante, tell us what you went through on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think we have to set up the day. We had multiple uh, people who were out of state, um, who were there in the memorial hallway outside of the House chambers, um, chanting and, and, and protesting against abortion. Um, these were uh, people from Oklahoma. These were uh, have been described by the Washington Post and the New York Times as like almost vigilantes. Um, they were walking around with body cameras. Um, they were in droves. So it had already been a very tense um, day. And then right as they were debating a bill and finished a vote, the speaker came over um, the podium in the House chamber and, 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 and announced that there's a suspicious package that's been left unattended by the Senate chambers. Um, and we need to evacuate the gallery and the Capitol. Um, and so it was a very uh, surreal moment um, as th th they proceeded through an evacuation process. I happened to be there um, rushing out of 
the capital and, and getting towards the place as like I said, no one knew what was happening because we we'd seen these people. There had been a lot of activity all day, and we knew this debate on uh, House Bill eight thirteen by Representative, Representative McCormick was was intense. But um, I, I think it just took the temperatures very high, and it was probably one of the most uh, surreal moments that I've ever experienced in my my fifteen years uh, around the Capitol. And and it seemed like I said that. <laughs> on Tuesday and Wednesday when some other procedural moves happened. So uh, this was a real interesting week. I'm glad everything ended up being safe, but I think it just showcased the, the, the toxic nature of our culture right now when it comes to some policy of just how um, serious and scared all of us were at that moment. Uh, yeah, just incredible. I mean, I've seen some tense moments in, in the Capitol over the years. And, and just to be clear, there's all very often large crowds of people in Memorial Hall. Uh, but this was an especially tense day because you had these, you know, out of state, uh, you know, vigilantes or abolitionists that they call themselves. And, and I still don't think they should have, you know, get the honor of calling themselves abolitionists because that's something I associate with, uh, with of course, you know, anti-slavery movement uh, hundreds of years ago. Um, but uh, you had this very tense vote, this high profile vote coming up and Capitol got evacuated. Um, I can't imagine how frightening that must have been. Um, Want to talk about two other things before we uh, let you get on with your week. Uh, one is tax cuts. Um, you know, the, the, We've said before on this podcast, if you follow the budget project, um, you know that that one of the things that, you know, the, the big mistake that was made the last time Louisiana had a lot of revenue at its disposal was um, we responded to a kind of temporary revenue surge by making permanent tax cuts that kind of set us back for almost a decade in the state, made it very tough to fund higher education, health care all these services. Um, here we are, you know, 15 years later, uh, we've kind of recovered um, and, and we're in a good place financially. And there are some legislators who want to kind of repeat the mistakes of the past. Uh, there was a bill that it got off the House floor um, this past week that, that starts to uh, roll back the temporary sales tax without any kind of thought on how we're going to replace that revenue when it's gone. It's almost a half a billion dollars. And there's another bill coming up this week that would uh, cut the personal income tax rate and, and again, cost us at least $90 million um, that could otherwise be spent on, uh, uh, on, on healthcare, education, basic public services. Uh, we know that this financial moment we are in is going to be temporary and that, uh, you know, in the next few years, it's going to get a lot harder to balance the budget. Uh, Devante, uh, what's the mood in the legislature when it comes to, to these tax cut bills? And uh, where do you think this debate is headed? I mean, I think you're starting to see a divide among the majority. There are some who are saying, hey, y'all, uh, we need to live within our means. We need to we need to do um, more because there's too much money and we're taking people's money. But then you also saw um, a faction of the majority uh, party also say, hey, uh, we need to figure out where we're going to replace this money from because that's money out of say general fund. Um, and so I don't think there's a, a major consensus just yet on what to do. As you saw, as you mentioned, 
proposal to roll off a point four five as advanced to the states. That uh, Representative Edmonds had a proposal that would move uh, that money into transportation and do these. That was rejected by the House Appropriations Committee. So there's, as you can kind of, there's, there's not a sense we're hopeful. I think that I don't think you'll see these. Um, make it through the final days of the session. Um, just that in 2020, you know, that should be here for Governor Edwards. And Devante, a political we're year. having some we're audio difficulties here uh, near the end, or at least we are on my end. So uh, I, I don't mean to be rude, but cut you off. But uh, I will say, put us at the Louisiana Budget Project squarely down on the side of... Uh, caution when it comes to tax cuts and uh let's you know putting the brakes i really think this is a a legacy issue for governor edwards you know when the story of these eight years are written um they're gonna say that this governor came in with a two billion dollar shortfall and there were some very tough votes and tough decisions made it wasn't always pretty or perfect but they stabilized the state budget and started making some new investments in children, in education. Um, and, you know, there haven't been any hospitals closed. Um, there haven't been any, you know, we've expanded Medicaid and, and expanded access to services um, and the budget is balanced. And if we start cutting taxes now at the 11th hour, uh, as this administration nears the end, then the danger is that the next governor is going to come in into a similar uh, situation as Edwards came in. So uh, certainly our hope is that legislature uh, holds the line and doesn't do anything reckless uh, with these temporary dollars. Um, one last thing, and then uh, we'll let you get on uh, with your week. And, and that is the good news, which is a, a study resolution that passed out of the House this week uh, House Concurrent Resolution 94 by Representative Royce DuPlessis would uh, require uh, or ask the uh, Department of Children and Family Services to study a baby bonds program. If you remember uh, Cory Booker's presidential campaign from a few years, a couple of years ago, uh, baby bonds was part of his agenda. And this is one of those policy ideas that I just absolutely love. And the idea behind it is when a uh, baby is born in Louisiana, uh, certainly a baby you know, to a family with low incomes, the state would put some amount of money um, and, and in uh, Representative DuPlessis' scenario it would be $3,500 into an account, which would then get invested um, kind of the way we invest pension fund dollars and when that child turns 18, um, the uh, initial investment and the interest accrued over 18 years would go to that uh, child once he or she becomes an adult and they would have money available to start uh, to either pay for college, um, to buy a home, uh, to maybe pay for some other technical training, to start a business or, or to just kind of get their life started. Um, we did some back of the napkin calculations. If you invest that money um, at, you know, conservatively at 7%, uh, $3,500 becomes uh, something like uh, $17,000, $18,000. Uh, so if you had gotten this, uh, you know, in 2004, when you were born, you'd have $18,000 available. Um, so 
This is one of those good ideas. It would take an upfront investment, but I think it would do a long way, um, a lot to put um, children and families on, on a better path to, to a sustainable financial future. And so we, we thank Representative Duplessis for such a good idea. And we hope that that's, we look forward to seeing the results of that study. Um, Devante, thank you for joining us on the Did You Know podcast this week. Uh, we've got three more weeks. Do you think you'll make it to the end? Well, maybe we lost. I, I'm hoping. I, I'm I'm hoping so. I, I'm like I said last week. Showcase that um, when you think you have finally understood this building and this place, uh, it will shock you more than you can imagine. So I'm I'm going in with no expectation. Well, Devante, uh, I know you'll be there watching and uh, we'll be there as well. And I want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Did You Know podcast. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for listening. Have a great week, everybody.